Welcome to our podcast channel, brought to you by the British Chamber of Commerce in Singapore. Subscribe to our channel as we provide you with curated content and in-depth conversations by industry experts and leaders across Singapore, ASEAN and the United Kingdom. Today's podcast is brought to you in partnership with St. James's Place Wealth Management, a member company of the British Chamber of Commerce Singapore. As a FTSE 100 company, St. James's Place is one of the largest wealth management companies serving the international community living and working in Asia. Founded in 1991, it has grown rapidly to be the largest company in its sector in the UK and has offices in Singapore, Hong Kong and mainland China. Constantly evolving to meet the ever-changing needs of a diverse client base, St. James's Place specialises in providing highly personalised face-to-face advice to individuals and corporate clients to help them achieve their financial aspirations. To find out more information about St. James's Place Wealth Management, please visit www.sjp.asia. As part of this series of representing the UK, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by our president of the British Chamber of Commerce here in Singapore, Richard Warburton. Richard, an executive director of Arcadis, is account leader for a number of Arcadis's key financial institution and technology clients across Asia. He also leads Arcadis's water and environmental business in Southeast Asia. A chartered surveyor by professional discipline, Richard has been with Arcadis for over 26 years including assignments in the UK, Europe and the Middle East, and for the last 11 years has been based in Singapore. He is an experienced programme director who has led the delivery of complex pan-geographical and pan-sector real estate and infrastructure programmes of work and transactions in over 30 countries. He assembles and leads teams of service delivery experts from both within Arcadis and from their wider ecosystem partners, and has successfully delivered client-focused solutions on a wide range of projects and transactions. Richard is currently the President of the British Chamber of Commerce here in Singapore and has held a board position with us since 2014. He's also the Vice Chair of the Board of Trustees at Dulwich College in Singapore. Richard, it's an absolute privilege to talk to you today. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I hope, how, how are you? Uh, I'm very good, David. Thank you. Um, it's just unfortunate that we can't do this face to face, obviously, with ongoing restrictions. But yeah, delighted to talk to you. Excellent. So, I mean, let's let's talk about the presidency in the chamber first of all. What got you involved with the British Chamber of Commerce in Singapore to begin with? Well, I think actually we need to go back before I actually arrived in Singapore. So, um, when I first went to the Middle East in Dubai, um, quite soon after arriving, I got invited to attend a a British business group um, networking event. Um, and actually through my time in the Middle East, I, I attended more and more of these events um, and really, really got the benefit out of it just in terms of meeting people and obviously uh, some business opportunities. So actually it was one of the first things I did when I came to Singapore was actually uh, sort out uh, the equivalent, which is obviously the British Chamber of Commerce here um at the time we weren't corporate members so you know actually it was one of the first thing i did was also sign up sign us up as corporate members um and and then i was involved involved ever since and actually um i think within within six months of joining i i had already then joined what was then the property and construction uh business group uh, and that sort of 
that just triggered my involvement um, through the years in the chamber. And you, obviously through your involvement, you were the chair of our business committees for a period of time as well. Um, and how did that come about and how important do you feel the business committees are to the chamber and, and what did you particularly enjoy about that role? Yeah, so I think the, um, and I always have to get the, the, the terminology right because we were business groups to start with and then we obviously transitioned to business committees uh, a few years ago. Um, you know, I was, uh, I'd, I'd been chairing the property and construction group um, I then was sitting on the board and at the time uh, the president, Hugo at that time, wanted me to get further involved um, actually in the Exco as well and as part of that uh, there was a focus on how can we really raise the, the, the prominence and the visibility of the business committees um, because they really are at the core of what we do as a chamber, right? They, they, they are they are run by members. I think we've at the last count, we've got 180 to 190 members running the 12 business committees. Um, and we are a membership organization. So it really is members for members. Um, and, and the business committees, in my mind, just are fantastic because they define they define the themes that we're going to follow as the chamber through the year. They define uh, the content and the events um, and they really are that transition point also between between what members want and and what the chamber can deliver so um, you know they are they are such a significant uh, significant part of the chamber um, what did I really enjoy actually just just the enthusiasm and and you know when I when I had my business committee chair meetings just listening just listening to what each group, each committee was doing, what each what each committee was proposing, uh, and the richness of thinking, and and actually, you know, it was a privilege to hear their ideas and their passion, um, and that then flows out through through events and through content and the like. So, you know, for me, that was that was you know really enjoyable time at the chamber, just understanding more of what we do actually as a chamber. Fantastic. Have you been on the board of the Chamber since 2014, I think? Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you've seen change over the years? And, and is there anything you've been particularly proud of as part of that sort of um, senior leadership team supporting the Chamber's development? Yeah, I mean, I, I have had the privilege of being on the board for, for quite a few years. And, and, you know, the Chamber has always been... Uh, it's always been very strong it's all been very robust you know we've had a good good membership base we've had a good cohort of sponsors um and we've just you know we've run a fantastic uh, annual uh, event program i mean i think 80 to 90 90 events on average uh, from our flagships through to sm smaller curated events um and that's worked well and that's you know that's you know the feedback from the members was you know that has served a purpose and it's uh, you know that was that was very positive actually you know the biggest the, the biggest change i have seen has been over the last eight months you know and it, you know we um obviously we we felt the the first impacts of of covid coming through in in january this year um and actually that has had to that's in, that's initiated a change within the chamber um that actually i think we would have had to have got to at a point in time but it's almost accelerated the need for that change so um you know we how do I how do I summarize the change? I think you know, in headline terms, it's really been that that transition uh, from physical to digital, 
you know i think a lot of the value you know uh, has been through the chamber of you know those building networks connecting businesses and creating opportunities which is which is our, our what we stand for but you know how do we how could we continue to deliver that when we can't physically meet and i think you know we were some of the very early adopters of of digital platforms we 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 trialed fast some webexes which you know i think in hindsight didn't quite work as well as we wanted to but then we tried again and improved and improved um and actually to the point now that we, you know we've got a very strong you know webinar program we've got very strong podcast series um and actually the quality of the content uh, that's going out to our members i think is it's far over and above what previously we we have been doing so you know that that shift that shift of focus on 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 content and getting out to the wider membership i think has been significant the other aspect for me i think is the chamber has always had great relationships with um uh, with the government uh, both uk government and singapore government here um but i think that has further grown and developed and matured over the last eight months i, I think you know um the, the engagement that the chamber and particularly through yourself dave and the executive team uh myself have been having with the high commissioner cara with with dit uh also with natalie black as the Majesty's trade um ambassador that that connectivity that reliance on each other has has really grown and developed but also on the singapore government side you know i think the relationships with um, the ministry of trade and industry the economic development board the ministry of manpower have really have really flourished over the last eight months to the point that you know we've that dialogue they've been asking us questions they've been asking us for support we've been sharing information um you know i, I feel really I feel really proud of that uh, connectivity that's now been established and, and that's defining the journey for the chamber I think moving forward. Uh, you've clearly had an interesting start and it's you know it's obviously a privilege working sort of next to you and, and helping to support all of this um, certainly going through Covid. Um, how do you think the British business community more broadly is dealing with Covid? Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's a very good question, I think. And, you know, we've, we as the Chamber, um, obviously have been reaching out through our detailed membership surveys and, and actually the pulse checks, um, actually trying to gauge the mood music, understand how our members are feeling. Um, and obviously some of that insight, uh, some of the learnings from the surveys, we have been feeding directly back to the government here to help inform some of their thinking as well. Um, now, I think generally, you know, if... Um, if I could, if I could use one word to sum up, maybe it's resilient. You know, I think I, as I talk to members, the feedback from the surveys, you know, everybody has been incredibly resilient during this time. Um, if we look at the early results of the surveys that we did back in late February, March, you know, very high degrees of confidence in the government, high degrees in in confidence in in the ability of the organisations to for want of a better term weather the storm um but i think maybe at that time the expectation was it will be a shorter shorter period of impact um we have seen through the subsequent surveys through through may and june maybe some of that confidence starting to wane a little bit um and that's really driven i suppose by some of the uncertainty of you know when things will get back to normal when people will be able to travel again um and almost you know when can people start employing people because of some of the challenges and restrictions on employment passes and the like so you know resilient resilience on one hand you know but i think you know, i think everybody is starting just to feel a bit 
more, a little bit more uncertain at the moment, but you know, everyone's been quite entrepreneurial about how to address some of those challenges as they move forward as well. It's, it's great to hear that resilience. And I think one of the things I've really enjoyed working with you and the board, Richard, is that resilience of the team and that, that, that collective sort of support. And, and also sort of seeing how as a chamber we've been pivoting and adapting through, the, through, um, through this time as well. What do you think the main challenges are for the business community in Singapore going forward? Some of the things that businesses have to think about in terms of adapting to, 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 to the current situation. Yeah, I think there's um, uh, naturally there's a lot of focus on on business performance, commercials, you know, forecasting, planning for the year ahead. Um, I think one and, and, and yeah, they, they are obviously front and center of everyone's mind, and and yeah, the government. Actually, the government has given a tremendous amount of support through the the JSS and other initiatives. Um, yeah, and they 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 benefit to varying degrees our members um, and and the like. Um, I think the challenge is also is, is around uncertainty of how long it's going to this is going to go on for. Uh, trying to predict at the end of the year what goes into next year. Um, comes comes into play but actually actually i think the 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 aspect of of the challenge which i don't think people really are focusing on as much they should is the humanistic side of the impact you know we in singapore we're now i can't remember we're week 21 or week 22 from from working from home um and it does all tend to blur into it all tends to blur into one at the moment um but i think we yeah, humans like to interact with with people and and whilst everybody has braced digital everybody's braced whatever platform of choice whether it's zoom or teams or everything else you know the, the ability just to meet somebody have a very human face-to-face -face conversation how are you uh, recognizing that body language I think is is really important and I think as as we continue to work from home yes we're still going to get the outputs delivered um, we're still going to be able to address some of the challenges that we all face as businesses um, but I think you know my, my personal opinion is, is that I think we need to enhance that focus on the people and, and mental well-being particularly and and you know that through the chamber i've been advocating a lot around a mental health awareness um and because I, I, I just think it's really important and i think actually you know this week we would normally have our back to work networking you know we we have 120 130 people come together at the british club um just to reconnect um after our summer holidays and of course none of us have traveled None of us have had that time with our families. Um, and, and I think, uh, to repeat myself, I think that's going to be the challenge. It's, it's, it's just that hum, humanist, uh, humanistic aspect of, of running the businesses. Yeah, I can completely advocate that, Richard. And in all the in all the meetings that we have and the, the sessions that you chair as well, you, you do bring a sort of a health and safety briefing, which just widens the view around sort of mental health and mental awareness, which I just which I think really, really just make people think it's, it's, it's excellent. Where, so, I mean, just looking forwards, I mean, um, you, obviously you've had a slightly bumpy start in terms of what's been happening with the, with the global pandemic, um, but where do you see the Chamber really developing during your tenure? Have you got some things that you'd, you'd really like to sort of look back on in the future and think, yeah, that, you know, we've, 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 we've implemented those sort of elements that have brought the community together or that well, we've really sort of boosted the potency of the Chamber? <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, 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 I, I chuckle because it really, I mean, the presidency so far really has been a, 
it's not even a tale of two halves. It's almost a tale of 25%, 75%. I mean, the, um, you know, the first, the first, the first two months, uh, yeah, we had the run into Christmas. It was all the we had the drumbeat of events going uh, the back the at the end of the year um, network, and we had the Christmas ball. You know, all the flagship events. Um, yeah, we also had the David Cameron visit, and we we had Michelle Obama. So you know, it was it was uh, yeah, it was buoyant. I mean, and then you know we've suddenly it, it suddenly stopped and we suddenly had to shift as I as as I mentioned earlier. And you know, how do we redefine how do we redefine the chamber? How do we redefine how we deliver that real value to the members that the members crave um, when you can't physically meet? You know, I think uh, that COVID has, has forced us to, to change or accelerate our strategy development. And actually that leads into almost the legacy of, of what we're trying to deliver at the moment. You know, we want to be as a chamber, you know, the leading organization supporting British and international business uh, community in Singapore and actually across the wider ASEAN play um, and, and, and really being able to facilitate growth of companies through providing, you know, that qualitative uh, information to, to make informed decisions through tailored events and support. You know, my, my vision of the future, my, my, it's not my legacy, it's the Chamber's legacy, um, is, is around you know, enabling the Chamber really to be that business partner. You know, that, that, you know, we're an integral part of working with supporting part of the ecosystem of, of every British and international business to enable them to be successful. Um, and, and really, if we, can, if we can continue delivering on what we've already established, really, really get onto that, that platform. And, you know, a great example is the emergence of our trade services team. You know, we've, we've got, got a dedicated team of advisors there, you know, providing support, providing assistance, both to established companies here who want to grow or maybe want to change direction, but also to UK um, companies, whether SMEs, whether individuals or large corporates, how to come and establish in, in Singapore. And yeah, being that true business partner, I think is is the go-to place for the chamber and the legacy. That's wonderful, and it's it's certainly a very exciting journey, an exciting time for us. Can can we can we talk about you a little bit? Um, you, can we talk about sort of your current role? Um, and uh, recently, you've taken over a larger role within Arcadis, man, in the water and environmental sector. Can you can you tell our listeners a little bit about sort of what you do when you're when you're not um, sort of uh, spending time as the president of the chamber? <laughs> Yes, thank you, David. I mean, the um, I'm actually really quite excited about taking on the water and environmental sector uh, for Southeast Asia because it 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 really plays out, you know, what I'm passionate in. You know, we've um, you know we've seen uh, a much greater visibility and awareness over over the last few years around around climate change, around the risk of, of um, rising sea levels, around what that does to coastal protection, um, and actually being able to, to lead the team uh, that is focusing, focusing on that, for me, is, is really quite excited. You know, so a corporate mission at Arcadis is around improving quality of life. And for me, the work that we do in the water environmental space really plays really plays to, 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 to that statement as well. Um, the, heritage, the heritage of Arcadis are actually Dutch water engineers. So, you know, dikes and polders and, and land reclamation are really in the heritage and the blood of the, of the organization. Um, and it's the focus on the natural and built assets. 
Um, so we've got to look after the environment we're in. Um, you know, it's, I'm very pleased the Arcadis office in, in Singapore went carbon neutral um, a few months ago. And I know it's something that the chamber is about to do as well. Um, we've also led quite a significant plastic reduction campaign internally um, and, and with a number of our clients as well, we've been commissioned to take that thinking to our client organizations. So, you know, I'm really, I'm really excited about the work we do and you know, it's such a talented team of water engineers and environmental scientists. Um, yeah, and, and, and it also absolutely aligns, I think, to uh, what Singapore is trying to achieve. If you go back to uh, Prime Minister Lee's National Day Address last year, 12 months ago, he spoke about the vulnerability of, of Singapore to, to climate change and, and the need to uh, enhance the resiliency of the nation. Um, so, so that's that's an area of focus, um, and also the UK next year is 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 hosting COP26, the United Nations Climate Change Conference. So all of these elements are interwoven, and and to actually be leading the team that that's delivering the solutions to achieve that for me, it actually is is very exciting moving forward. Oh, that's fabulously exciting, and you've you've had a really fascinating career today. I believe you travelled to. Um, 30, 30 countries around the world. Can you tell us a little bit more about your career journey? Yeah, I, mean, I think I think at the last count, I'm I'm up to thirty two or thirty three. I think I lose count at the time, but um, yeah, I mean, I have been with I've been with the same organisation, uh, Arcadis, for, for in fact, I've just entered my twenty seventh year, which which maybe dates me to your listeners as well. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I joined the organisation. Um, just after university when I was 21 and actually within three months I'd then gone off to work in in Hungary um, so this was um, this was actually a few years after the Berlin Wall came down it was you know Hungary was uh, still still relatively undeveloped at the time and we were going and we were installing telephony networks into the countryside around Budapest so you know as a, as a 21 year old that was that was fantastic it was exciting and and actually almost gave my it almost fueled my passion for for travel and working overseas and you know i've i've been very fortunate that the organization arcadis has supported me to to achieve that in, in what i do so um after after uh, a few months in hungary i came back to london i became chartered i'm a charter sphere as you mentioned earlier and i ran a team in in london working predominantly on on commercial office but also also we did a lot of work for government so um you know whether that's building custody suites at heathrow airport or building you know west end central police station in london or schools in hertfordshire real real mixed bag of of projects which again for me was was part of the excitement about the role that you know it's all the different aspects it's applying your professional skills but in different environments so and then i you know that that passion to travel again came up and i i i, I put my hand up to the business and said look i'd like to go overseas um and you know i went over to dubai um when i was 28 um and then i ran i ran our middle east business after a few years we we, we had four and a half great years in in dubai just as things were really growing and booming and from there traveling around the whole of the, the whole of the middle east uh which again wise eye what eyes wide open um, you know, and there were some challenging times, you know, September the 11th was in there. Um, and obviously that had ramifications across the Middle East and people's perceptions towards you as a Westerner. Um, 
but then um, we took the decision to go back to the UK uh, to have our family. Uh, to, to we had two two lovely children back in the UK. Um, but then after a number of years, that passion came again, and uh, we went back to the Middle East. And actually, this was potentially you know one of the challenging times of my career. We landed we landed back in Dubai, I think a week after the global financial crisis started. Um, and 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 the Middle East started toppling like a pack of cards, and and it was a great period of uncertainty. Actually, the um, the boom in property and real estate market suddenly stopped overnight. Um, you know, your listeners will recall there's always talk at that time of you know all these cars left at the airports, people deserted. Um, so we 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 stuck it out, and then the business came back and said, "Look, Richard." Can you go and run our Middle East opera, um, run our Singapore operation? And and yeah, my wife and I went, yep, okay. And you know that was eleven years ago, and 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 here we arrived. And you know, even even the eleven years that we've had in Singapore, which have been which have been fantastic, and you know, the family has grown while we've been here, and you know, we've had some great opportunities to travel and to work on, yeah, you know, for personally to work on some great iconic projects across the region as well. So you know, it's been yeah over those. 26 just entering my 27th year we've yeah it's, it's been a case of putting the hand up asking to go and do things um taking on board the challenges and just getting on but you know i'm i'm yeah it's, it's been great and within all of that you know my role my role has changed every two or three years so it's always it's always fresh it's always exciting um which has kept me here so long you, you, you mentioned uh hungary and dubai and, and singapore um are there are there sort of other countries that you've you've really enjoyed working in, or have a particular story about, or or something that sort of really sticks in your sticks in your memory? Yeah, I mean, look, I've I've been very privileged to work and and visit, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of countries around Europe, the Middle East, and Asia, um, and you know, some of those have been short two three day you're going in to do a transaction and and there's there's no glamour in business travel it's it's airport taxi hotel office you know hotel airport back and you, you don't you could be you could be anywhere you, you don't really get a flavor of, of where you are um but actually those countries that i've had the opportunity to spend more time in maybe going back on a regular basis um you actually start to see Yes, more of the country, but actually the 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 memories, the experiences, the the countries that I've most enjoyed have really been driven by the people, actually. Um, and you know, I've I, I I could talk for a lot longer than we have on this podcast about some of the great experiences I've had. But um, you know, from yeah, if I'd call out, you know, colleagues and clients in Amman in Jordan were just so friendly, so humble, so supportive. Um, when we first went to Oman to do a transaction there, you know, the, the hospitality that we were shown was 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 significant. Um, and you know, I, I I could share stories from Bulgaria or or you know, pick you know from China, but you know, um, yeah, I think it's yeah. I've enjoyed what I've done and I've enjoyed the traveling, but it's really about the people. It's really about the connections you make with those people in the geographies, uh, which is really the, the, the enjoyment and the experience that's come through. What, what sort of challenges have you faced during this journey? Is there anything that sort of stands out as a learning point that you've sort of taken with you? 
I mean, that's a very good question, David. I think the, um, you know, there's definitely been, uh, there's definitely been a lot of high points in that journey. Um, and there has been, uh, there has been a few, you know, not lower points, but lower moments. Mm. Um, maybe when things haven't quite gone the way you expected it to have gone. Um, yeah, I mentioned, I mentioned earlier about, you know, landing into Dubai just as the GFC happened and then, um, you know, bouncing out eight months later, you know, that wasn't what we expected. That was, um, yeah, there certainly was a moment of reflection in there about actually, do we back do we move on to Singapore? And I'm, you know, very good decision that we did, or, you know, do we go back to the UK, particularly with a very young family at that time? Um, but I'm, I'm a great believer that you have to make decisions in the moment and actually uh, the outcome will be the outcome right and 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 things tend to work out things work out things happen for a reason and yeah the outcome comes for a reason as well so you know there was i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily be able to say there's there was one or two specific challenges it's just you know maybe a few small things but they're just minor road bumps on the on the journey um i wouldn't have changed what i'd done or what i've achieved so far um, what 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 motivates you? Um, what what sort of makes you tick? Yeah, I mean, it, uh, good question. I mean, it's I like I suppose I suppose if you if you go to if you go to classic classic management speak, yeah, I'm a completer finisher. I like seeing the outcome. I like I like delivering what's been promised to clients. I like that. Um, I like that simple statement from a client saying, thank you. Yeah, you've delivered what I wanted. You know, you've, you've achieved it. Um, the journey of how you get there, you know, the, the more complex, the more challenging, um, the problem, the issue, you know, I like getting into detail. You know, uh, if you talk to my, if you talk to my teams, um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to tell you that you, I'll be able to spot that one thing in multiple pages. And it's like, damn, Richard, Richard found it again. Um, and, you know, I, I, that, I suppose that comes back to the complete finish bit. But actually, as a leader, the, the challenge for me is actually stepping away from that. It's stepping, it's stepping higher to more give that umbrella view and rely on the team to, to do the details. So, um, but the, the, the motivation, the driving force is, is just, I suppose, it's around that satisfaction at the end of the process, whether, um, whether it's a, a member through the chamber saying, you know, thank you, I really, I really enjoyed that, through to a client, um, through to just, you know, th there's, there's a great organization in, in Singapore called Willing Hearts who provide, um, who provide free meals for those who can't necessarily afford it. And, you know, we as an organization have been supporting them in, in some of their, in some of their planning. And, you know, I had the opportunity to go and, and help in the kitchen only briefly. Um, but, the, the, satisfa the satisfaction of being able to do something to help others also was was a great motivator. So it's that ability to give back, I suppose, to others. Um, and in a work context, motivation is helping helping develop and train, you know, our graduates and our younger talent come up through the business, share share the knowledge, such that you know they can take things on and they can do things. Um, so yeah, it's great to see people develop, get see people get promoted, um, and that's the reward at the end of the day. You, you talk about that sort of career progression for um, for 
you know, um, people coming through an organisation. Do you, do you believe in mentorship? And have you got a mentor? Who, who do you turn to for advice? A very good question, David. And I think I think the ability to access mentors and to to benefit from mentors is is very important. Um, you know, fr from my side, um, Arcadis runs a uh, runs a structured uh, mentoring program, um, and I actually mentor a number of of colleagues, one down in Australia, um, and one up in Hong Kong. Um, so and and that's 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 very satisfying in terms of ability to support and and, and help them. Um, in terms of myself, yeah, again, I've been very very blessed. I have some great mentors um, through my journey through through my career with Arcadis. Um, and I think it's just very important because the more senior you get, I think there is there's a loneliness of leadership. Um, there's an expectation that you as a leader maybe are that pillar of strength all the time that you always you always have the answers to everything um and you know i i don't mind admitting i i have wobbles along the way and and you you i i really appreciate that that ability just to talk things through uh with a with an individual who can you know not give me the answers but to, you know richard have you thought about this or maybe frame maybe frame the challenge in a different way actually you you create the you get to the solution but they just help you frame that solution and, and you know, i've really benefited from that um and i think i think it's very important that you know everybody at the, as they go through their careers do have that opportunity to benefit uh both from a mentor and having a coach as well Brilliant. And um, you took part in the Round the World Yacht Race. And um, what was your motivation for this? And, and were there any sort of learnings that you took away from that experience? It must have been absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I yeah, I was very fortunate. Um, so I, t I unfortunately I couldn't do that, couldn't do the whole race because that would have been a year out of the diary. But um, I sailed. I, I took part in the um 2011 12 clipper around the world um and i actually did the southern ocean leg so uh, the the infamous southern ocean so from from cape town south africa to western australia and geraton so um you know as the years go by the rose tinted glasses uh you know put the gloss on the experience i mean when you're in the moment um I mean, just to give your listeners uh, some context. Yeah. I think I think we sailed we sailed over five thousand nautical miles in twenty eight or twenty nine days at sea. Wow. Um, you're doing three hour shifts on and off, um, so you're going to bed seven times a day. Yeah, and yeah, the Southern Ocean is is infamous because of the because of the sea conditions. There's no land stopping the prevailing waves going around. And you see some tremendous big big uh, uh, seas, um, and also when you get down uh, through the Roaring Forties, you get down into iceberg territory. You know, sea temperatures freezing, air temperatures freezing, and I can tell you, when you're on deck at two o'clock in the morning in a Force Eleven, it is not pleasant. Um, but now with rose tinted glasses, it absolutely is. But um, it, I mean, it was a very very valuable i mean it was a hugely rewarding experience um you know at the time i i raised money for the fred hollows foundation which is an australian charity that supports cataract operations um in developing countries and you know that was that was something that was very close to me having had my having had my eye trans 
eye transplant in Singapore when I arrived here. So, um, so there was a personal mission there. Um, actually, it was it was interesting. There was very much a um, there were a number of clear learnings that um, out of the process. When I, you know, Arcadis were very very generous. They gave me the sabbatical, sabbatical time off work. Um, but when I got back, I just yeah opened my inbox and there was thousands and thousands of emails in there. Um, and actually, what you having spent time then going through them, sifting them, filtering them, deleting them, I can genuinely say there wasn't that many which were truly important. And and you know my reflection is we and you know this was this was nine years ago and we're nine years further on with technology, but. Um, there are so many emails that fly around which just don't add value. Um, and actually, my learning from that is, if it's important, I'm going to ring somebody. And I'd much rather have a conversation than send an email because the ability to communicate verbally and get to the answer quickly is so much easier than just a whole fog of email traffic. So, yeah, that's one thing. That's one thing I take away. The other is, you know, having been on the boat for five weeks, you spend a lot of time, um, obviously, looking at the horizon, um, and a lot of there's no there's no technology time. There's no screens apart from the the radar and the um, comms deck. So, um, genuinely, despite the lack of sleep, despite salt water in your eyes, despite uh, despite fatigue my eyes felt so much better and my eyesight felt so much better um, at the end of the time. So having that time away from the screen, I think, I mean, it's, it's hugely important, um, which is really challenging during these COVID times because obviously we're, we're doing a lot of digital networking and, and interacting, but just turning the screens off and, and, and looking into the distance and in, actually enjoying the natural beauty around us, I think is, is very important. Um, the other aspect of, of the race was for that particular leg, the um, Ashridge Management College did a leadership study on, on the skippers. And, and for those of you who don't know um, the clipper race, it's one professional skipper and an amateur crew. Um, and, and I took part in that Ashridge study and they produced their, their, their leadership paper out the back of it, which was, which was very interesting and, and, and explored leadership against different models. Um, I actually took my own take on it and I, and I, and I talk about my leadership continuum. Um, and so on, on my race, you had, um, you had skippers who were completely uh, controlling, who kept telling the crew what to do. Uh, they were always there during during sail evolutions and everything, just directing, instructing, and and guiding. Um, and actually, those boats were very successful. You know, they were faster. They were, you know, they won more races. Um, but actually, when you talk to the crew, the the crew were inherently unhappy because mm -hmm. they were just constantly being told what to do. They weren't being empowered. They weren't being let being given the opportunity to to grow in themselves at the end at the other end of the scale there was um maybe a skipper who was much more hands-off you know it's your experience it's your journey you go and do what you you feel is right within safety parameters um and that 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 boat was generally slower um didn't weren't as successful and the 
again talking to the crew the crew were again demotivated because you know they weren't they they they'd bonded as a team but they weren't performing well uh, and the boat wasn't sailing well and 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 you know that was a demotivator and then there was there was a cohort of boats in the middle which included um the yacht i was on where in my mind the the, the skippers ensured we were sailing the boat safety uh, safely they let us get on they let the watch leaders lead uh, their watches so there was an element of trust and actually um, people enjoyed sailing the boat they had some success yeah they didn't have some success but it was a more rounded experience Um, but actually that's then also linked on to what I would then term situational leadership because you know that process was working we were sailing well you know and then you know we got hit by force 11 in the southern ocean suddenly everything turned dramatically bad we had a sail wrap we couldn't get the yankee down we had somebody um fell and knocked themselves out on the deck and at that time it was the skipper who was there with us you know two o'clock in the morning lashing with rain pitch black and at that point it's the skipper saying do that do that do that do that as soon as you know as soon as the boat was safe and that was five or six hours later he just stepped back and let people then then um get on with what they were doing and sailing the boat and and making things right so for me there was a great um there was a great number of leadership lessons out of the out of the race um and actually at times when i'm leading my teams and i you know and that I do things I just reflect back on those moments and say actually what's the right approach for the situation you're in as well so um yeah it was a great experience and I you know I would uh I would jump at it in a heartbeat heartbeat again but I'm not sure my wife would let me at this time (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like an amazing experience um do you still sail I mean what do you outside of Arcadis and your and your and your your chamber presidency role what, what do you like to do in your spare time have you got any hobbies (laughs) <laughs> well to be honest to be honest david i think between between work between the chamber uh between three children um i'm not exactly sure i have that much spare time actually um but yeah i mean i i um i i do enjoy cycling i i cycle regularly um in singapore with 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 a group obviously singapore's perfect for cycling because it's flat i mean that's 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 a great thing um but yeah i do um I do obviously outside of family time. I do enjoy uh, reading. Actually, I'm a great I'm a great reader, and, and it's a great way for me to de-stress as well. I think, yeah. um, and I think that's you know we, we touched on mental health earlier, but I think it's very important that you can just completely switch off and go into go into another space. And, and for me, reading is is that space. Um, I mean, during COVID, obviously the the challenge is obviously balancing. Uh, getting out getting some exercise otherwise you can find yourself in your home all day so actually I've also I combine my reading passion with podcasts as well so as I as I go for my evening walk I listen to my podcast as well and again it's another way to to clear to clear the brain of of the day job and and the chamber job and everything else and just just being able to switch and relax I think so you know reading cycling podcasts um uh, yeah and and family time I think yeah all come together 
Oh, this, this has been a really, really brilliant conversation, Richard, hearing, uh, you know, a, a bit about you, uh, a bit about what you want to do with the, with the Chamber and also, also your career. It's been, it's been fascinating. So final, final couple of questions. Um, and it's one we sort of, we're asking all of our senior business leaders is, if we could offer you the British Chamber of Commerce Singapore's time machine and transport you back to a particular time in your career where what you know now, you would offer yourself some advice. Um, when would you travel back to and what would you tell yourself? I think there have been one or two times on my career journey where, you know, maybe I feel that I maybe didn't make the right decision at that time and, and, and things have gone, you've gone slightly sideways rather than, rather than upwards. Um, but yeah, you know, I do believe that, that things, things happen for a reason and the outcomes, as I mentioned earlier, you get to the outcome that you want. Um, actually, I could maybe go back to the start of very start of my career as a graduate. Um, and and just yeah, you know, the the advice that the advice I'd give myself is is maybe to be more confident. Mm. Um, and and so have confidence in have confidence in one's own abilities. Um, and also yeah, recognise that you don't necessarily have to have all the answers. You know, it's okay to ask for help on on at, at times. Um, and also, don't try and be someone you aren't. You know, I think, um, you know, th there's a lot of talk latterly in, in leadership speak around being authentic. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I think it's very sage advice. I think, you know, you are who you are and, you know, your personality, your individual, yourself will always come through in everything, in everything you do. So if you put yourself forward as, 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 as say someone different or, um, it will come home to roost. You'll get found out in time as well. So, um, yeah, always be yourself, have confidence in yourself um, and have confidence in your own abilities to um, to back yourself as you go through your career. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and lastly, I mean, just a bit of crystal balling, I guess, but um, if you could look back on your time in Singapore, what sort of impact would you like to have made, both with your role at Arcadis, but also as the president of the British Chamber of Commerce Singapore? I think from a, from a work perspective, yeah, I'm very passionate about the work we do in the water and environmental sector. And, I, you know, my, you know, what I'd like to see is, is obviously that team of experts we have internally grow and expand and be able to, to really help Singapore on their own journey in terms of, you know, developing resiliency to climate change, but also, also being able to enhance the natural environment that, that we do enjoy on the island as well. So, you know, that's, that's potentially the crystal ball from, from uh, the work side. From the chamber side, you know, I, I would say as president, um, I'm very privileged to, to be the figurehead of the chamber. But, it, but you know, actually the, the work and the outcomes and, and what the chamber achieves, you know, is, 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 is not through me as, as, as president, but it's through the hard work and the dedication that you and the chamber team day in, day out, deliver on behalf of the members. Um, we spoke about the, uh, we spoke about the business committees earlier. Um, and, you know, I mean, they have truly been entrepreneurial during the last eight months and it's their hard work and enthusiasm um that's really helping us drive the chamber forward and actually you know we are blessed with a really supportive board and exco as well so you know there's there's a there's a huge team effort at the chamber 
to deliver the chamber's vision and passion and and you know where would i where would i like to be when i when i step down as president actually to, you know to, for that passion for that cohort to actually grown so we can support more business so you know we are that genuine business partner um to support you know british and international businesses um and actually you know put leaving the chamber in a in a in a continued healthier state then then you know it's it's continually grown and developed through the years and i think to continue on that trajectory um moving forward i think would would be fantastic especially especially after some of the challenging times we've had recently Richard, thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you for your sharing. It's been really, really fascinating to talk to you, um, understand a little bit more about you as well. And I'm sure our members um, will be delighted to sort of listen to this. It's a privilege and a pleasure working with you. And thank you for all you're doing for the Chamber on behalf of the members. Thank you so much. David, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's been really, it's been really uh, an enjoyable experience to share. Um, and I would invite um, members as they listen to this or, or maybe non-members of the chamber, please do reach out to us. Um, uh, go, to, go to the chamber website, um, connect with us, and yeah, we'll be more than happy to share and uh, help, uh, help you as you develop and grow your businesses in Singapore. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can share our podcasts and tag us in with the hashtag BritJamSG on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. For more information on the British Chamber of Commerce in Singapore, please visit www.britcham.org.sg or should you wish to get involved with our podcasts, please feel free to contact us at info at